If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. ESPN 690 and Action Sports Jacks presents Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau. We're going to have to show a little more patience than the year two pom-pom people. Casey Kurtz. Yo! Well, what are we doing, bro? Come on! And Aaron Schachter. I'm, I'm all in favor of these two showing their love, really celebrating their relationship. This is Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz, and Aaron Schachter on Jacksonville's home for ESPN Radio, ESPN 690. Hey, what's happening here on a Thursday in Jacksonville, ESPN 690. We've got you live from Spring Sports Brewery here on a Thursday, uh, each and every Thursday for the most part. We come on out. Jordan DeLugo is going to join us here today. Yeah, uh, in nice. Person, he says. One day you guys will join us and I'll buy you a beer as well. Uh, we'll see if uh, I can buy Jordan one uh, for that beard. Beers and beards. Beers and beards. Well, I don't want to mix the two of them. Yeah, that's hard. Uh, the we got Jaguars All-Access tonight. How about Devin Lloyd on the show along with Josh Allen? I got some big stars now. Yeah, man, we ain't messing around. we got the schedule planned. we got Evan Ingram coming up on uh, Jags Report Live Monday night, so I hope he has a big game in Indianapolis. Hey-o. That one from Sneakers. Tonight we got Devin Lloyd, who's been playing really well. So come on out, say hello. we got a beautiful day, beautiful night uh, ahead of us here in Springfield from Strings Sports Brewery. Wow, what's happening, fellas? We had a long meeting today. We've been around each other. Good thing I'm not in the studio. <laughs> I'm not sure I could are you sick uh, of us? deal with you guys for six hours, and I'm sure sure as heck you guys couldn't deal with me for six hours. I mean, Thanks. I like seeing Martin. No, I don't know about Casey. I like seeing Martin. Yeah, no. I'm comfortable just how we are. The only thing better is if Schachter was with you at Strings and I was just here. Casey just, just by himself Hanging forever. by yourself in the dark. Just, just like chilling, bro. Just chilling. Like a shower. Just like a shower. You know what I'm saying? In the dark, best place. Place to kind of clear your mind and have to deal with Brent Martineau and Aaron Shack. You just couldn't cry as much here because people might see. Nah, you never know. Lock the door. That's we fair. got a blockbuster game tonight, baby. It's best of the, the best. Commanders. <laughs> it's the Bears. It should be good. Golly, Listen, Carson Wentz apparently is a little bit bumped up, but it looks like he's going to play. Uh, yeah, he is. What they say? What was that? It was something about ligament something? Yeah, or some, some kind or? Of, I think it's an excuse. Not just kidding. I, obviously, he's hurt, but uh, you, it's you a small crazy. injury, they say. It was crazy. I saw a stat. Uh, I saw two stats that got me. Uh, you know, one is more like from an emotion standpoint, what could have been. And that one was the Jags uh, not being 2-0. and There's like five or six teams in the division this year already 2-0. and And the Jags, in my opinion, should have been on that list. Yeah. And we said this last week, it would have been the first time they'd started 2-0 ever in the AFC South, which is just ridiculous, asinine, incre- incredible, all of those things. But it could have happened. I think it should have happened. This other one was really interesting. And Jalen Hurts is playing out of his mind. Daniel Jones and the Giants are 4-1. and The Dallas Cowboys and Cooper Rush, 4-1. and Yet it's Carson Wentz who leads the NFC East in touchdown passes thrown. Oh, yeah. By, like, five. Like, he's doubled everybody up. Now, stats can be misleading. I mean, you're coming back a little bit. But he did throw, what, four against the Jags in week one. And I think Hurts is second on the list with five touchdowns in the NFC East. It's amazing how good that division is. And the quarterback play has been good. But it's not like they're putting up the stats, say, a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes usually put up. No, not, not even close, no. Yeah, not really. 
Not really at but, all. But Carson Wentz, by the way, this little tease for later, I think we got Ducky coming on later, and he put out his uh, his model for, uh, you know, what you could potentially bet on tonight. And he had Carson Wentz under 1.3 touchdowns. We'll have to ask him about that. One point. What? Throwing, what? passing touchdowns under 1.3. That's what he had him at. 1.3? I never heard of that. Like, well, you know, he does the spreadsheets at the mall. We'll ask him about it. <laughs> okay, we will ask him about it. And if he's not coming um, on, we just won't bring it up again. He's coming. I, I, went, I went full send on the T's before <laughs> I knew. He's coming on. And I was like, he's, coming. It. he's coming in the 5 o'clock hour. 5.30, right? Yes, yeah. 5.30. We'll have the, the duck man from the duck pond telling us who to bet on when it comes to kickers and others. Now, I call him Ducky. You call him Duck. What should I call him? They're both correct. Okay. Good. No, seriously. It's Ducky bets. It's, it's Ducky bets duck on pond. Twitter and the Duck Pond. I'll call him the Duck. I'll call him Ducky. Whatever. I just thought whatever the moment, wherever the moment takes me, is where I go with it. I like it. I like that. Uh, hey, quick. We don't usually start the show with this, but we're gonna do it anyway. How about it? Uh, how about the baseball game last night? That was a good baseball game, Casey Kurtz. Mm. Did you watch it? Which one? The Phillies uh, Braves. Well, actually, both were good. But I'm talking Phillies Braves. Like Phillies Braves. Uh, I just thought it was a good baseball game. A 3 nothing game. People would say 0-0. You need all this offense. It's boring. No way, man. When you get the drama building in the sixth inning and both guys are lights out on the mound, like, that's terrific stuff. They were, they were electric. Like, they were great. And then all of a sudden, you get a hit-by-pitch. And then you get a walk. And then with two outs, they, Hoskins can't make a play, and he should have made the play. you got to make that play, and then you get swing and bunt, and then you get a real hit up the middle, finally a ball to the outfield that was hit, and it's 3 nothing. But then the defense, Dansby Swanson and Riley with a play near the tarp. I mean, it, it just had a little bit of everything for me last night. I, as a baseball fan, and nope, I don't care who wins. I really don't. Like, good luck, Braves fans, but I, you won last year. Like, I'm not feeling bad for you uh, if you lose. And the Phillies... Hey, that'd be a cool story. So I don't care. And I love watching games when I just don't care at all, like have zero emotion. Well, there's like a freedom to it, right? Oh, so good. And I just enjoyed the baseball. Like, it was good. Uh, people would tell me baseball's boring sometimes, and I think a lot of people would sit there and be like, Brent, it's 0-0. How's that a good game? Oh, it's an excellent game at 0-0 because you can feel the tension in the stadium. You can feel it off the TV in, in October when it's 0-0 or 1-1 late because you know you make a mistake and it's lights out most likely. And that was the case for the Phillies. I just thought it was a terrific baseball game last night. I didn't know if you guys had a chance to catch it. I mean, it would have been better if it wasn't the Phillies or the Braves. Right. <laughs> but, you know, fine. <laughs> but yeah. then you'd be emotional today. Well, that's okay, too. I think, I mean, it was fine. I thought the Dodgers game was better. That's why I clarified with you. Because, I mean, runs early, fighting back, Padres pull yeah. it out. All of a sudden, do the Dodgers have weaknesses? So, I was, I guess I was hanging out more with the, uh, the West Coast crowd in that one. But... Yeah, the Braves, Phillies side. I already told you the Phillies are going to win the World Series, so no big deal. But, you know, I thought the I thought the Dodgers-Padres game was good, too. But I guess it's a good thing when you come off two baseball games in a night and they're both pretty good because that's not always yeah. the case. It's actually far it, from it most of the time. That's a good call, too. Like, I guess I, I felt more uh, attached to the Braves game. I think I watched more of it. I didn't pick up the Padres game, Dodgers game, until I want to say, like, the fourth inning. And, and then it was, you're right, it was good. And it, it, it had all those things you talked about, too. And so uh, both games were really good. You know, what I, you know what stood out to me about the Dodgers-Padres game? First of all, I think it shows the moxie of the Padres because there were times in that game, you're like, oh, here come the Dodgers, right? And, and they were able to hold them off. They make a big double play ball. They get critical outs. Machado holds the runner at third, and then they get the next out after that. You know, those kind of plays, which are also terrific 
because the Dodgers are so explosive, and you just never know when they're going to turn it on. And the Padres add a run when it's important. But the thing that I take away from the Padres even more than that, which shows that they're for real and they might have some staying power here in these postseason uh, playoffs, and maybe they can upset the Dodgers. I've asked you this in the past, Casey. Like, Manny Machado, to me, is lost in San Diego. He's a terrific player, but he's lost. And I thought about this last night. Manny Machado had a big game. Manny Machado's the guy talking after games in the postgame. And Manny Machado, this is his time to be like, oh, I remember how great of a player he is. And, and that's what the postseason does. Like, this is a big time for Manny Machado. And right now, I think early, at least in these playoffs, he's delivering. Yeah, I think it's a good call. I think it's easy to forget about Machado because when he went out there, they were a bad team. So it's kind of like, oh, yeah, Machado's out there. He's collecting his $300 million. But, yeah, he's leading them. He's all of a sudden a veteran. And... I, for my money, I think when you think of the superstar in baseball, like Juan Soto, for example, we're not talking about Juan Soto's defense. And you, you don't you, – Bryce Harper's another one. Like Mike Trout's one of the few that the superstar that plays great defense. But Manny Machado plays great defense. Like he's up there with Nolan, Nolan Arenado, in my opinion. And he can make great plays. He makes the flashy plays. He has the arm to make every throw. So I think he gives it to you on both sides of the ball, and he's turned into their – their veteran team leader, and it's it's a good vibe for him because Manny's a great player. But to the he point, really, even the big great defensive players, no one still talks about their defense. I mean, no one is talking about Soto's arm or Machado's arm. True. I just, yeah, think, it, I just think it's cool that he's all around, you know? Yep. Yeah, and, and Machado, uh, you know what's interesting about Machado, too? I think he took this unlikable role on in a way. Because of the, you know? the way it played out this year? Well, not only that, he... he I don't know. Wasn't he always tied up and stuff? Like, unlikable, not across the board, but almost in a Manny Ramirez kind of way where he probably bothered you if he was, like, the other fan base. Yeah. And he almost had this aloofness to him, like, if you really love baseball and you're like, uh, dude, hustle one of these times or do this. <laughs> like, I think he had, like, a little bit of that. Like, I, I get mad at guys that don't do that, you know. And I think he had some of those moments, Casey, and yet now you're seeing him and you're like, okay, this is a matured Manny. Like, I'm more impressed with him in the postgame. I don't remember Manny being such a good talker and kind of being the face of the the, the, the team and, again, this might just me, out of ignorance, I don't follow the Padres much, and I don't really follow Manny Machado like I have his jerseys. But I just feel like the guy's grown up a bit, and the guy's still a terrific player, and now we get a chance to celebrate and watch it because the Padres are pretty good. Quite frankly, the Padres are kind of fun. Yeah, they are. And he, he did make those those young player-type moves when he was with the Orioles, like he got into it with Donaldson, uh, if you remember that. And he, he, he came off a bit arrogant, I think you could say, if you're like a traditional baseball fan. But... Yeah, he, he really has matured, and he's became that guy since he left Baltimore. He went to the Dodgers, obviously, a bit. And so there's some of that in this series, which is cool. The Dodgers fans are still mad that he didn't stay uh, after they traded for him that year with the Orioles. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot to like about Manny Machado, and I think it would be cool if um, if they do win this series and go far, I think it would just help Machado stardom because he's a guy that I don't think it would be very difficult now to get behind as, like, a face of baseball. Yeah, yeah. I think, Aaron, think about this from – I wonder about this sometimes. Like the the big organizations, right, the successful, the historic organizations in sports in general. But for now, we talk baseball. But you can name them in, in sports. Like the Yankees, the Red Sox, uh, even the Cubs. Uh, these these teams that are high profile, the Dodgers, of course, they they have big support. They have fan bases that are huge. They have bandwagon fans. But they also have people that just hate them, you know. And then there are other organizations sometimes in sports. It's like, well, it's hard to not like this organization. Like what's there not to like? You know, the Astros were like this until they cheated. 
True. The Astros were a tough team, in my opinion, that not like. They were homegrown. They had lost forever. They built it from the ground up. They kind of did it the right way, and they they reaped the benefits of it. And then they cheated, and then everybody hated them. So are you saying the Padres are like that? Because I definitely don't consider the Padres like that. I, uh, I think the Padres are, are kind of a lovable team. Like, what's there not to like? Even this year, think about it like this. Well, Fernando Tatis, okay, he cheats. So he's not even involved, and they're still winning. Okay, like, but the whole so roster worry was about that built part. in some boardroom by a general manager. It's not like they, they did it through the farm system like you're talking about uh, with some of these other teams. I mean, they did it the Yankees' way this year. That is true. They went out and yeah. bought the best closer in baseball. They went out and bought another power hitter. They, you know, they, they have yeah. all these guys they brought onto the roster to win a World Series, and yet... They've been struggling to make it to the postseason. And to that point, I mean, Darvish, Musgrove, all guys, you know, all their pitching they, bring didn't, it, they didn't bring up. I, I guess, all right, I, yeah, you guys are attacking this a little bit different than it's a fair point. So I, what I you're saying basically is you don't, with, like, I don't even have a you problem don't like with like but like you I, don't like anybody that builds or buys their team or assembles their team in that respect. No, I'm not saying that because my Mets did it that way too. But <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just saying, like, if you're talking about liking the Astros because you yeah. felt they did it the, quote, right way, and you're describing the right yeah. way as bringing these guys up through the farm system, I mean, that's not what we're seeing for the Padres. Yeah, I mean, at least all those Astros guys, but it, when they won at least, I, I'm trying to think, they probably had an arm or two that didn't, or Brian McCann was like the only guy, Beltron, right? Well, but, Verlander, right? They probably had Granky during that. Didn't they have Granky on that team? But you're Granky sucks. Your main guys, Altuve, Correa, and Bragman, brought them all up. Yeah, no, that's I get what you're saying, and and that's true, and well, I, I cool did give too. that that's reason fine. for the Astros. But I guess there's just like, what's there not to like about the Padres? Unless you do have a problem with that, like I still think that takes. Like, even the Yankees or the Cubs or when they did, when you add money, like, that's a hard puzzle piece to put together. So I do get that. I, I guess I just don't feel like there's any angst against the Padres. No, and I, and, and to that to point, like. to that point, man, I got no beef with the Padres. Like, uh, it, it's, I don't have a beef about the trades. I don't have a beef about the free agency signings or whether they brought people up through the farm system or not. That's fine. This is baseball, especially in this sport. You could bring on everybody and their mom and still not have a great season. I mean, case in point, the largest payroll in baseball is from my New York Metropolitans, and we saw what happened there. So I mean, the Yankees every year have a high payroll in baseball, and, 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 and they've struggled to get back to the World Series. So let, let it's me give fine you another example. Me. Let me give you another example of this. Here's what the Padres are to me, and it's probably not apples to apples, but you'll get the idea. If the Pittsburgh Pirates, who have been unwilling to spend and <laughs> put all. together a team other than the farm system and go on the cheap all of a sudden built some of their farm and they use some of that farm by the way to trade away and get talent and acquire talent blockbuster moves for the Juan Soto's of the world and now put together a team and, and it cost them a bunch like I still be hey that's a pretty cool story for Pittsburgh you know they've, they've been down in the dumps forever they weren't even going to compete they changed their mind they said let's go do it let's go join the ranks of everybody else this is how you got to do it unless you're just going to tank like the astros did and kind of the braves did for a bit and build it that way and so i guess there's an appreciation for hey at least we now want to play ball and see if we're good enough and i think the i think we would have that same feeling for a team like pittsburgh if they chose to go after the model of the padres because keep in mind the padres haven't been like the angels like, the Angels have been spending money for a decade and got nothing, nothing out of it. Zero. The Padres hardly have spent money. And they had to build up their farm system to be able to go acquire Juan Soto, right? To go acquire, uh, well, Machado might have been in a free agent year. But you get the point. Yeah, and, and, and to your, not to keep harping on the Pirates, because you just used them as an example, but they did do that for a little bit where they brought all these guys up from the minor leagues. I think they had like a two- or three-year stretch where they won more than 90 games or around 90 games. 
somewhere in like the mid aughts. But uh, the point was because they brought him up through the farm system, because they refused to spend in free agency or, or even give up assets to bring in sluggers in trades, it didn't last very long for the Pirates at all. They, they went nowhere with it. Yeah, and real quick, just I never really thought about it this way, but on the Padres, at their starting lineup last night, and this is just by memory, I'm pretty positive on this, they didn't draft any of these guys. None of their starting nine. Really? Soto, Machado, Drury, Cronenworth, Will Myers, Jerkson, Profar, Grisham, Nola. And the closest thing is their leadoff hitter in Kim. They signed him out of Korea, I believe. But I know for a fact they didn't they didn't draft those guys. So, And uh, they pitched Darvish, and they didn't draft him. It's crazy. Yeah, this is a very organic topic here, so hang with me. But what team in professional sports would you be – would most, like, the masses be – that's pretty cool to see them win, right? Like the Minnesota I, I go back Twins. To the, well, the Blues, right? The St. Louis Blues were like this, I think, a couple of years ago. Like that was a cool story. They were at worst. Yeah. And then they finished first, like that same year. That's a fun story. It, worst of first always feels good. I like the Twins in a lot of years because they they always do it with these homegrown guys. Like they're never, ever, ever going to spend more than thirty million a year on payroll or whatever. Whatever the silly number they do every year, it's very much Marlins or Tampa Bay esque. When I'm, Tampa Bay does well, it always feels nice. I mean, the Cubs when the Cubs won, everybody was on board for that. That was feel good because yeah. of the streak, though, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, like if they yeah, win but, again, it won't be the same. But at that time, everyone's pulling for the Cubs. Yeah. Yeah, I get You're right. You're right. There was an element of that. Now, they have such heated rivals, right? I mean, between the White Sox and between the, the Cubs, like nobody on the south side wanted to see the, the Cubbies win. We don't care. Uh, and by win. the way, there was this rom- romance about the Cubs. I always say this about the Cubs just being the lovable loser. Yeah. And we lost that. You yeah. know, we just lost that. But I would agree with you, you Casey. I think a lot of people are like, hey, that's pretty cool. Is this just a baseball won. conversation? Are you talking all no, sports? No, no. I wanted to go all sports. Like, I'll give you an example, right? The Knicks. The Knicks have been about as irrelevant as a sports franchise as there have has been in the last two decades. Oh, Aaron's yeah. not going to close that. No, it's a nobody, really good. Love it. But nobody wants to see the Knicks win. No. Nobody nobody wants to see that. No. The only New York team that people are like, hey, that was kind of cool they won, was like the Rangers when they broke the 50-year losing streak or something, right? Mm-hmm. I think people would think it's cool that the Islanders would that. win something, even though they've been okay in years past. But, but they ain't beating the Lightning. But is there another team, like in the NFL, like, how about this? Would the I, I say no because our viewers and listeners are would be like the Jags. <laughs> I get it. Would the rest of the country be like, "Hey, that was pretty cool. The Jags won a Super Bowl." I think they would be. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a newer franchise relative to all the franchises in the NFL. Worst to first story or close to worst to first. I think that it would gain national. I think it's why so many people jumped on the bandwagon at the beginning of this season. You know, you knock off a couple of big teams like the Chargers and what we thought were going to be big in the Colts, and it's like, well, now we have a, a Cinderella story, and it's not even time for the ball. I don't. That's a good call. I don't think it would be nationally loved though as much as like if the Jets won. I don't. I, I don't think people want to see the Jets win. Why not? Because they're fun to hate. Yeah, I don't think the Jets fit in this category. But I get where you're coming from, Casey. It's been a long time, <laughs> the '60s. Like, I think the Jags are the same as if the Atlanta Falcons win or the Carolina Panthers. How is that not the same? Because you've seen Atlanta in the Super Bowl because this is a team that's been around with established players. Okay, the Houston Texans. Okay, maybe a little closer to what we're talking about with the Jags. Like, all the the bad teams lumped together. 
Yeah, but not, here's the difference between the Texans. The Texans have not been in the bottom of the barrel as the Jags. The Jags have been bad for 15 years. And this goes, all you have to do is go back to 17. Now, we had the great, oh, the great open. Great open, man. David versus Goliath. That's so good. Hope you guys go back and watch it weekly. I do. It's unbelievable uh, for the AFC Championship game. But all of America was rooting for the Jaguars. Like, all of America was rooting for the Jaguars to beat the New England Patriots just four years ago, five years ago. Th- isn't and that I'm more not about sure yes, it is anti-Patriots? More about that. It's exactly well, that's more about what, that. Because was, when you but, mentioned, Casey, when you mentioned the Atlanta Falcons, I was like, no, I was, you know, I was rooting for the Falcons, but I think it was only because I hate Tom Brady. Right. Yeah, but I, I think they would have. Don't you think the Jags would have rooted for the, uh, I'm sorry, fans would have rooted for the Jags over the Eagles? I yeah, I think so. Just I don't because, know. Oh, but only because the Eagles would have been picked as the favorites. People like an underdog, not because of a franchise history thing. Then you yeah, there's an the element there. Yeah, there's an element there. I, I, I'm just trying to th- – like, I don't agree with you on the Jets. I don't think the Texans have lost enough. I think – you know what I'm – I think, guys? I'll San put Francisco. A, I'll put, no, the Bills. I think okay. the Bills are That's in this one. category. Ex- I think exercising feel, the demons, yes. Yeah, we feel be- – listen, any fan base – I'm not saying you felt bad at the time. But the, the Bills fans, they had four Super Bowls, and they didn't win. That's tough. Like, that's unbelievable, right? Nobody's tough. ever had to do that. Class and losers. then they go, they go 25 years, basically, without winning, like, anything. Yeah. Like, hardly three games a year. And now they've got this fun team that's easy. Like, Josh Allen, great story. He doesn't annoy anybody. It's not like he's, got, he's a polarizing figure. McDermott's kind of just there. They've got a fun team. They don't really have, like, yeah, Von Miller's I mean, likable. annoying player. Stephon right? Diggs like, is likable. Yeah, all those guys. So they don't have a Jalen Ramsey that somebody would be like, that's the villain. Like, they don't even have that. So I think the Bills fit this category, and I think the Jags would fit more like them. See, like, the Raiders lost for a while. If they won a Super Bowl, doesn't matter. A lot of people don't like the Raiders. The Cowboys have hardly won a playoff game in two decades. Doesn't matter. A lot of people don't like the Cowboys. Yeah. But, but when you get the – like, the Browns are interesting to me. Because the Browns, I think people like when they're down so they can use them as a doormat. Yes, that's what I feel about the Jets. Like I the think Jets, people, I agree with you. Yeah, I think people like when they're the butt of the joke. I don't think they like when they're good. Craig Youngblood in the chat is mentioning the magic. I'm kind of with Craig on that one. Yeah, I can see that. I see the magic. They've been close but ran into top ten players both times. They went to the finals. They had good teams, but they were drafted. They drafted Shaq. They drafted Penny. True. Like, that that was a good run, and then, you know, they've had good players since. They just can't put it together, and then have, it always seems like they're rebuilding now. Yeah. That's a, just interesting. just caught my attention. Like, there's not too many teams that you feel neutral about. The Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, I'm with you on the Rays. I think that's one of those teams where it's like if you make it, it's like, oh, look, the kids are at the, the adults' table now. You know, what's, you know what's interesting? The Rays are at the adults' table now because they've now been there for, like, Don't four out of five it. years. And Casey, Jason. I think the the Rays have started to annoy people a little bit. No, like well, they've actually got critics now because, well, their stadium stinks. But also, like Yankees fans and Red Sox fans and Baltimore fans and Toronto fans hate them because they bounce them out. They're annoying. Yeah, don't worry though, folks. Right? If if you've been alive long enough since way back in 2008, you'll understand. They go to the World Series, then they go to the championship, the AL championship, then they go to the DS. Then they only go to the wild card. Then they unload everybody. And look what just happened these last few years. They've done the exact same thing, just in a different order. So don't worry. The Rays are destined for 10 more losing seasons. So uh, don't worry. You won't have to be sick of them. Florida's biggest garage sale is always the sale at the Trop after they make the playoffs. Yeah, unbelievable, but it's going on right now.
Yeah, somebody asked about the Cleveland Guardians. They haven't won since 1948. It's the longest drought. I agree. Cleveland's not a bad team, but the Guardians, if you can change to the Guardians, I'd feel better about it. But to that point, people are rooting for them right now because of the Yankees thing. Mm. Well, that is true. They're playing the Goliaths, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, hey, we'll take a break. We'll be back uh, live at Spring Sports Brewery here in Springfield. Fred and Friends on ESPN 690. We're going to have to take some chances here. They haven't thrown the football. They haven't done much. And both of these teams, let's hope it's not a snooze fest. But again, you really want to see Justin Fields go out there and have some confidence, make some throws. Let him use his athleticism to his advantage. If it's open and it's there, take it. Take what the defense gives you and try and move this bear offense down the field and score some points. Who's that? Bro, every time it's Rob Ninkovich. Every time. If you don't know, to, say Rob. Rob. Say Rob. What happened to your guy, Chris Canty? Oh, he it's a great make question. It anymore. His takes must suck now. I don't know what the deal is. They don't put him in the system anymore. So, like... I'm going to have to check on Chris personally. Or Canty. You guys are attacking his character. Listen, I no one has supported Chris Canty more on ESPN but me, right? I've been number one, and everybody else on the station, every ESPN station around the country has been number two, right? <laughs> but we got to start putting his takes at least in the thing so I can make the judgment for myself. That's all it is. All right, fair enough. Brent Martineau, Aaron Schachter, Casey Kurtz, Brent and Friends on ESPN 690 Live from String Sports Brewery coming on out tonight uh, here at Strings. And uh, we've got you set in Springfield for a big show on Jaguars All Access presented by Fields Auto Group. And Devin Lloyd and Josh Allen will join us. Uh, listen, Jags need a win this week. I, I, I am so locked in on the feel of this thing. And, and I think Doug Peterson got off to such a good start on the feel of it. The Jags did after three games. I mean, that was fun, guys. Like, we need the fun back. Like, you gave us a taste of that, we need it back. And really, all I was trying to say this yesterday, it is you don't want it to feel like it's heading in the direction of disappointment. People, teams win and lose every week in the NFL. It's the way the league goes. Like, so for the Jags to be two and three in the big picture, it's not super problematic. How they did it, how they lost last week, we don't like that. That doesn't sit well. That doesn't feel good. But if you beat Indianapolis and you're 3-3 three and three with the Giants coming to town and then the rest of the schedule, we, you can feel good again. How long can you keep that feeling going? It's not been many a years in Jacksonville where you can get to late October and say, hey, now listen, they got to improve in some spots. they got to do this. But if they do against this schedule and what they got coming up, they got a chance. That's all we're asking for. We're back to that. You know, I think we got greedy a couple of weeks ago, guys, where you're like, oh, two and one. Holy cow, they're blowing people out, man. 62 to 10. They just went out west, beat the Chargers. Doug Peterson is Vince freaking Lombardi, right? True. I mean, and that's where, and Tra- Trevor Lawrence is, who's Tom Brady? We've got Trevor Lawrence. Well, that's what it felt like. And that was probably <laughs> dramatic, as it turns out it was. Uh, but somewhere in between and back to the, hey, can they get seven wins? Can they be in this thing in December? Like, I think we're back there. Maybe you guys feel different. But I think we're back to the way this season started in terms of our expectation. Well, you know, one of the ways you get back to those expectations are getting your big playmakers the ball. And I know that Trevor and uh, I think Press Taylor were talking a little bit about Christian Kirk and how they need to get him the ball more. I'm, I'm not understanding, though, like, aren't those the guys making those decisions? Like, it didn't come up as a surprise to them or anything. Like, they know he's out there. 
Uh, they tried to get it to him against Philly. He had a bad game. Everybody right. had a bad game. They sure. didn't have enough plays. All right, so you throw that one off. This past week, they did something a little bit different. Like, I thought Doug Peterson's comment on Monday, I believe it was, was pretty um, eye-opening. The Jags had stuff in their game plan for Kirk they couldn't get to because of the wrinkles that Lovey Smith and Houston threw in against him. Well, that's called game planning, and that's what people do, and you only have so much on film. The next time the Jags play the Texans, they should be able to get Kirk open because they now might expect that. But that won't come until January. Yeah. So I, that's part of it. Like that, That's going to happen again this week. Like Gus Bradley and Frank Reich, they are doing some different things. They better. They, they lost to. 24 to nothing. Yeah. So how do the Jags respond to that? So, yeah, I think you're right, Kate. Um, Aaron, you got to figure out a way to get your guys the ball, right? You've got to do that anyway. But I also think you got to be careful to force it into a guy. And I remember the fourth down where Trevor tried to force it into Kirk when he should have taken Zay Jones underneath or it would have been a first down. Yeah. So it's such a balance for that, I believe. And there's no doubt you see Kirk going in the backfield, going in motion, doing all these things. Like, he is involved, but when is he an option that's open? And I think I saw less of that. I think you got to give credit to Houston. They did something different. I saw less of that. They might have had guys running open, but Christian Kirk was not running as open last week as he had been the previous month in all of camp when I said Christian Kirk is always open. And then the Colts got to be looking at this going, well, the Texans were able to shut down the offense by shutting down that guy. Yeah. You know they're going to target him. You would think. Well, I would think, think so? so too, but okay. can they, right? Like, And so what's the counter? Okay, what I think part of the chess match of the NFL is, hey, Doug Peterson's pretty good at this stuff, right? I think we all agree with that. Well, Doug Peterson has to anticipate what's the cure for Gus Bradley's defense to not allow Trevor to go 25 for third and to shut down Christian Kirk and Ingram and was it Zay Jones? No, Zay Jones had the big game against the Chargers. And so th then you have to say, okay, well, we're going to do this instead. So I think like you've got to already be in the second quarter of this football game if you're Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence, and thinking, listen, we're going to come out and do this because it works, so why would we change? But we really think in the first 10 minutes of this game, they're going to probably do this. And so in the next 10 minutes and beyond, we got to counter with this. Yeah. I you just, know what I'm saying? I, That's the chess match. I just think if Marvin Jones and Travis Etienne were getting in the end zone last weekend, this would be a different conversation about needing to get Kirk involved. But so far yeah. it's clear when Kirk is not having a great day, neither are the Jaguars. Right. Two straight weeks. So there's there's plenty. I mean, just from that point with two straight weeks, I'm taking the weather out of it. Obviously, it was a factor, but still didn't didn't do a whole lot. And then last week, so I mean, I think Gus Bradley now has seen it twice on how you execute stopping Christian Kirk because it's been done two weeks in a row. So can he learn something that he didn't know in week two? I'm sure he probably can. And the Jags got to play the chess match like like that guy we talked about uh, at the end of the show yesterday. <laughs> just do Get some the of buzzer. that. Get the buzzer. The Jags need the buzzer. The Jags need the buzzer. On the cup check, make sure you get the buzzer. Uh, give them a metal detector wand or something. <laughs> hey, listen. I I get it, Casey. I think you're right, but every defense isn't the same. This Lovey Smith defense is a defense they even said was a little old school. Like, this, the way he does the cover two, the shell stuff. Like, you don't see it all the time in the NFL now. Gus is a cover three guy. Like, he's not really going to go change his scheme. So he has to operate still out of his scheme and his rules. Now, can he throw a wrinkle in there? I'm sure there's wrinkles for it. But I think, I mean, the Gus has made a living on Gus being Gus. Like, it's the way we do things. And I'm not sure how many, you know how many times around here in the past with this scheme 
people wanted to be like, go blitz more, go do this more, send the house more, send this more. And they didn't because that's not what they do. I, and so I, I just I don't know how many wrinkles we're going to see from the Gus Bradley defense. I hear you loud and clear, and I get it. The history proves itself. But I'm just saying, if somebody gives you the answers for the test before you go in, <laughs> yeah, if you true. don't look at them and don't cheat off those answers, you're an idiot. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, so if he's going to let Christian Kirk catch 11 balls for, you know, 106 yards and whatever that comes up for the Jags, then he's just built different in a bad way. The So just a I want to ask you guys a different question in a moment, but just to answer my um, question here, what do you, what's your expectation now for the Jaguars this season? It went from six, seven, maybe even eight. <laughs> I think it was higher than that. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, six, seven, start. like at the start. start. I'm talking about the start. And eight then to AFC South champs, no doubt. That's right, man. Right? I mean, I think everybody was on that page. Like, hey, they're going to win nine. They might win ten. Might win they're going to win the AFC South. Yeah. Like, if, even if they win eight, they're winning the AFC South. <laughs> That's what I think people said. Now, is it back to six, seven? Yeah. I, I, for me, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think six is realistic. I think if you've got six wins, you're disappointed based on the early excitement. But had I told you that you're definitely going to have six wins or possibly one or two more, in the preseason, you would have been excited. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it because here's what I did say, and I know I'm on record saying this. I thought five was a lock. Mm -hmm. I thought six was very likely. I think the jump to seven is really a significant jump and an important one in getting this thing going and turned around. And I thought eight was the ceiling. So that was where my range was at. That was the Brentometer. <laughs> nice. I like that. We, uh, we need to sell one of those. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, so many. we're selling <laughs> the Brentometer on Patreon. Now. <laughs> the So now I think six is the – I think this team's good enough to win six games. Hand yeah, down. yeah. And, I still think they're I good say, enough to win eight games. Well, now – but now I shift, right? So I think seven is probably likely, and eight is a big jump at the stage we're seeing this because it's hard, man. It's hard to win eight games. And so I got to see it. I got to believe it. And they've lost to Washington and Houston, and those are two missed opportunities. Yeah. So – and that was when they were, I mean, they've been pretty healthy and everything, too. And they've left so much out there. So uh, this team should surely be 3-2, and two, and you can really make the case they should be 4-1. and one. But I think 9 now becomes like, whoa, now, nah, that's a ceiling ceiling. Um, Seems high. And I'm not, that's hard to get there right now. Especially when you look high. at the schedule and you're like, where, it's, it's tough to find 9 wins on there. But it could shift back, Casey, if they beat Indianapolis is the point. Yeah. I think if you beat Indy and the Giants, Casey, what do you think? Well, yeah, if you beat Indy and the Giants, yeah, then the shift is back. I'm just annoyed about how we got here, right? <laughs> seven. At the start of the season, I was like, seven, eight, okay, awesome. Six, you know, if you got to. And then I was like, 17, like, they're, or 16, they're going to be great. They're going to just lose that one game. So, like, I'm annoyed <laughs> how we got to this situation, and I have a hard time tempering back down to six or seven. But, yeah, I mean, if you, you beat the Colts, you beat the Giants, all's right with the world. Denver's not any good at all. So then, then we get back to the hype, right? But the Colts are not talented. I feel strongly about that. So you got, you got to take care of your business. If they lose to the Colts, oh, I'm going to come in here like the Grim Reaper outfit. That's how dead I'm going to be. Got to win this game. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> hey, you got to, I guess. You got to start winning every game, it feels like. Hey, Trevor's the most important cog in this wheel, right? So... 
as Trevor goes, maybe the Jags go, especially if he's going to have some really bad moments like he's had the last couple weeks. But you guys just brought up Kirk. But couldn't you say the same about James Robinson? I wouldn't, actually. And I, and I would have three weeks ago. So what? So do you think, outside of Trevor, if Kirk doesn't perform, the Jags are in trouble? Yes. Uh, but also, not just Kirk. Like, other guys need to perform, too. Specifically, that offensive line as a whole needs to perform. Well, this is, that's not the nature of this question. All right, you so then Travis Etienne, fine. Travis Etienne needs to be out there making some plays. Casey? Ask me the question again. I'm sorry, Brent. You froze on my computer. I had to take a picture of it. It was an opportunity I couldn't miss. <laughs> <laughs> Should be a good picture. It's a great uh, picture. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, I, I, you, can do, you can freeze frame any picture you want, you know. Oh, uh, this is going to be a thumbnail for something. I'm going <laughs> yes. to make sure of that. <laughs> so, basically, Trevor, as, as the Jags go, Trevor goes, or as Trevor goes, the Jags go, whatever, however you want to say it. You just brought up Kirk. I think James Robinson, a lot of people feel like, listen, if you don't get James the ball and James doesn't cook a little bit, then then it, you're not going to be as effective and you're not going to win. I would like but to talk to you. Who's the one guy? I want to talk to you. on the team? I want to talk to you about this when we come back because I do think it's a more complicated answer than what you're looking for. I agree. But I do have some thoughts there. Let's do it when we come back. You guys are on the fence. You guys running for mayor? Are you running for president? <laughs> what are we doing here? Uh, we'll like be back. Both sides. Sports for a <laughs> <laughs> ESPN six night. Send me that freeze frame. I got you. Hey, welcome back, String Sports Brewery. Here in Springfield, Brett Martineau, Casey Kurtz, Aaron Schachter, Jordan DeLuca joins us in the 4 o'clock hour. He's actually coming by today in person. Uh, so we'll have that. Jags uh, Thursday injury report just came out a moment ago. And uh, really, it's the same. You got Fadakasi, Hamilton, Jones, and Aluakin all limited. And uh, that was the same as yesterday. So tomorrow will be the big day. My guess is they're going to all be listed as questionable. And uh, we'll see what happens if they get uh, especially... Uh, Fadakasi back after he missed last week. I don't anticipate the other guys going, but to be honest with you, I haven't been down there much this week, and so uh, we'll see. On where you been, Brad? I've been at meetings with you. (laughs) Yesterday I was at Flagler with the kids. We took a little school tour. How was that? Nice. That was actually really cool. You know, like you guys did. Did you do that? What do you think? You didn't do any school tours, right? No, I didn't either. I don't remember doing it. I don't know if it was probably a thing, and I just didn't do it. But uh, it was kind of fun, actually. Kids had the day out of school because uh, they weren't taking the PSATs, I guess, was the reason why. Hmm. And so went down there, good presentation. It's so funny, like, you know, as much you don't know about Flagler College, even though you hung out in St. Augustine so much. We actually, um, we were like a funnel for Flagler graduates for a while. Like, uh, Coos was one. We had, like, six or seven kids from Flagler for a little bit. Not anymore. Really? Yeah. UNF, baby. Yeah, UNF. UNF is a big breeding ground. What? For a lot of the, the media. What did he say? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Nobody else caught so, that? All right. Very good. We move on. Somebody on the radio caught it. Uh, hey, the uh, before the break, we were talking about the player, and Aaron was trying to run for politics. No, I was just because you asked about James Robinson. All of them. All of the politics. And I said to myself, you know what? Yes, but no. 
because if James doesn't have a big game, Travis can. And we've seen that happen as of last week. And had, like, we gotten help from Christian Kirk, I think that would have been enough. We didn't need James Robinson last week. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think a lot of people would go James. I don't think he would be mine, although I would say even as late as last week, I think if you look at struggling offenses over the last couple of years for the Jags, James Robinson has been a big catalyst to get it going. But to your point, you didn't have Travis Etienne. You didn't have Christian Kirk. You didn't have Evan Ingram. You didn't have Zay Jones. You didn't have Doug Peterson. So it's not apples to apples. And yep. I think a lot of guys can get the offense going. We've seen that a little bit. But sooner or later, you've got to have a couple of guys that, that really get it going and really make your key plays. And Trevor certainly is number one, and there's a distant number two. I'm not even sure ETN has climbed into that role. I guess I would put it in what you just said, a little bit of a context of the running back position still has to deliver for the Jags. They've got to be a threat to run the ball or on a screenplay or whatever. You've got to be gaining yards with those two guys because you figure they're two of your better playmakers with the ball in their hands. I think there are going to be days where out of that receiving core, Marvin Jones catches one ball. Zay Jones might only catch two. I think... Ingram might only catch two or three. And Agnew might not even touch it. But I think Kirk is the guy that better get it six-plus times in a game. And if he's not, I'm not sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing offensively. It's the, the moral of the story. Yeah. Like, can Zay Jones make up for Christian Kirk getting one catch? I thought Maybe so last week. before last week. I don't think so anymore. No. You, you know, Ingram had a nice day. He did. It didn't make up for Kirk it just really having one it catch. It didn't matter. You're right. Marvin Jones had a 100-yard day. Didn't make up for Kirk just having one catch. And well, ETN had a good day. But do we, we would answer that differently if the interception doesn't get thrown in the end zone. We might. And Tre that's why Trevor's the lead dog here, right? I mean, that's absolutely the case. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But I just know this, Casey. Their offense has been really strong in the first three games of the year when Christian Kirk goes for six catches, six catches, and six catches. The last two weeks has been nothing. And no, their sir. offense has produced not many points. So I think right now through five games, he's the answer to the question outside of Trevor. And, yes, there's a lot on Trevor here. I'm not ignoring that. Uh, but I think there's more to the conversation than that uh, as well. So we'll see what the Jags can do. Let me throw a I wrench. Let me throw a wrench into your question. What if it's not an offensive player? What if it's a guy like Tyson Campbell? Because when he's not really playing to the top of his ability, we we kind of end up having some chinks in the armor on the defense. Yeah, I think here's the deal with defensively. I don't think it's Campbell. Like I know uh, he's not the big name. I know he's not the guy out there making a making a difference. At the defensive line, he's not the one the quarterback's running from. But when he isn't playing well, like, we, we kind of get carved up. Well, yeah, but Campbell's not getting carved up. Campbell's given up, like, a big play in every game. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's getting carved up. I even think Shaq Griffin, like, as soon as Shaq Griffin gives up a, Shaq a Griffin's reception, everybody's like, he's terrible. It's like, Shaq Gri Griffin gave up, like, two catches last week. I mean... One was, like, for 20-something yards early in the game. All right, made a bad play. Like, I'm just a believer. Guys are going to make plays. And also, guys are going to miss plays. Like, Trevor's not going to be perfect. Shaq Griffin's not going to be perfect. Josh Allen's not going to be perfect. But you've got to be making more plays than you don't. And I think overall, if you look back at that game, the Jags secondary, they didn't give up a bunch. I mean, Brandon Cooks, what was he, four for 20? Somebody I mean, that. that was it. 
Not like, much. has nothing. I think to your point, though, if you want to go on, this, this really is an offensive conversation because that's the unit that appears to be struggling more overall the last couple of weeks in terms of getting points. Agreed. But I think if you want to talk about it in the context of that this week, this is a week for Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker. Yeah. Because everybody else is getting to Matt Ryan. And the Jags got to Matt Ryan a bunch in week two. This is the game where you go get a seven-sack effort on that defensive front. It's there. And especially if you don't have Jonathan Taylor running the football 35 times. So it might be a Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker kind of week for the Jacksonville Jaguars to lead the charge. The one thing we're missing about in the conversation of the offense, those first three weeks especially, that defense was getting turnovers and giving short fields and better situations for the Jags offense. That did not happen last week, and it obviously did happen one time with the pick six against Philadelphia, but after that it really didn't. So if you look at the last seven quarters, the Jags defense is not providing the advantageous situation for the offense like it was in the first three games of the season. That probably has to change a little bit as well. We'll take a break. Come back with Jordan DeLugo. We're talking Jags a bunch here in the next uh, hour and really the entire show. Britain Friends on ESPN 690 live from Spring Sports Brewery in Springfield.